This is the Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome to Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. I'm Melanie Cole, and I invite you to listen as we discuss how the root of some heart diseases can be found in your genes. We're talking about heart failure and genetics. Joining me in this panel is Dr. Anjan Tibruwala. He's a heart failure specialist at Northwestern Medicine Central DuPage and Del Nor Hospitals. And Rebecca Van Dyke. She's a licensed genetic counselor at Northwestern Medicine. Dr. Tibruwala, while we know that diet and lifestyle play this large role in developing heart disease, some research has found that as much as 30% of heart disease cases can be influenced by genetic factors. Can you tell us a little bit about the role genetics have in developing heart disease? We hear about it for cancer, and we hear about the BRCA gene and all of these, but not so much about heart disease. Tell us about that. As you mentioned, genetics are, are an important component of cardiovascular disease. Again, the figure of 30% is the way we understand genetics now, but in actuality, as we come to learn more about genetics, we're learning that it could impact cardiovascular disease even more so. Cardiovascular disease is thought to be a complex interplay of genetics and environmental factors, and as we learn more about the genetic factors, we're just learning how important of a role it has. In terms of seeing specific patients, we typically think of genetics as being useful in a few different arenas. Number one is it can give us a diagnosis. It can allow us as providers and patients to understand why somebody has the type of heart disease that they have. Secondly, it can be important for prognostic information. It can tell us information about the natural history of the disease. In addition, it can help us prognosticate as to how a patient may or may not respond to certain therapeutics. And then, in addition, genetics is important because it can help us treat the family as a unit. As opposed to treating an individual patient, it can allow us to try to understand and diagnose cardiovascular disease in patients' family members and treat them accordingly. What a great point. So, Rebecca, if you would expand on that a little bit, the Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute offers cardiac genetic testing that not only evaluates and cares for the individuals who've been diagnosed with conditions, but works to identify relatives who are at risk. Tell us how important it is to identify other family members so that you can really help them to receive screening and medical management that might help prevent morbidity and mortality. Yeah, and I'm very passionate about this topic, so I appreciate this question. When I'm counseling patients in a session, a lot of what we talk about is how this information can impact other family members. Because as Dr. Tibrawala mentioned, while it does have some implications for the patients and their diagnosis and their care, the other family members are the individuals who really benefit from the information that we can learn from that patient's diagnosis. If we're able to find a genetic contributor to heart disease in a family, we then can figure out who else in the family or what other family members share that same genetic risk for heart disease. And when we identify who has that risk for heart disease, we're able to start doing screening in those family members sooner prior to them potentially receiving these diagnoses or maybe prior to them developing really severe heart disease. And by doing those screenings, we're then able to make sure that we're intervening medically at the proper point to try and prevent those more serious morbidities from happening, as well as trying to prevent sudden cardiac death, which is an unfortunate thing that we can see in many families with some of these genetic types of heart diseases. Dr. Tibruwala, tell us how you're learning more about how 
LMNA cardiomyopathy responds to new drug therapies using patients' own stem cells and how you're taking what we're learning now about heart disease and genetics and translating it to patient care so that this care model can improve the way that patients are receiving care. So the LMNA gene, or also known as the Lamin mutation, is an important gene in cardiovascular medicine, specifically as it relates to patients that have heart failure or heart muscle dysfunction, as well as arrhythmias or abnormal heart rhythms. Currently, the way we treat patients with Lamin mutations is with the typical therapies that we use for heart failure patients. In addition, we will very often recommend an implantable defibrillator to help treat cardiac arrhythmias. For many of these patients, as their disease progresses, they're left with therapies for advanced heart failure. These would include left ventricular assist devices, which are mechanical heart pumps, or cardiac transplantation. However, as we learn more about the genetic mutation and and the pathogenesis, We're actually doing a lot of research. Us and many centers around the country and around the world are doing research on how we can potentially use stem cell therapy, as you mentioned, to try to find a target, intervene upon it, and allow a patient to have recovery of their heart disease without needing some of those more advanced therapies that I mentioned. Rebecca, I think all of us have these questions about genetic testing. Do you only get a genetic test for heart disease if someone in the family is experiencing this or has a condition? Can anybody get it? And while you're answering this, because we hear so much about BRCA genes and all of these different types of cancer, what do you want listeners to know about seeking out a genetic counselor and then what they do with the information? Because there certainly are a lot of decisions that are influenced by genetic diagnosis. And we heard about prophylactic mastectomies over the years. But for listeners, this is heart disease we're talking about. What do we do with the information and who can get this genetic test? That's a great question, and it is a common question that we have from a lot of patients and their family members. The genetic testing, with our current understanding of how genes play a role in heart disease, is most informative if we have the ability to do it on someone in the family who has been affected by heart disease. It's somewhat of a game of statistics. We say the best chance at finding a genetic risk factor for heart disease is by looking in the people who have heart diseases, because they would be more likely to potentially have those risk factors than individuals in a family or in the population who don't have those heart diseases. At the same time, it sometimes can be very difficult to get a family member who has heart disease to undergo genetic testing. Unfortunately, there are still barriers to accessing that information, whether they be cost barriers or access barriers to providers who do genetic testing or understand genetic testing, or just their own personal reservations about accessing that information. And so it is possible for other family members who do not have heart disease to get genetic testing for the heart disease that is in their family if that person with heart disease in the family will not get genetic testing themselves. We usually have a conversation about what recommendations for screening and management will look like based on that family history because that could play an important role in disease as well. And we don't really have a great way to know if we only need to worry about family history or genetics when we don't have all of that information, genetically speaking, from that person who did develop heart disease. But not having that person get genetic testing does not rule out the possibility for other family members to get that testing. There are some cases 
is where we will find something that can make that change in management. From that standpoint, we do hear a lot, as you mentioned, in cancer genetics about all these preventative factors that can come with those cancer genes, but the heart disease genes are not quite as commonly talked about in mainstream media, so to speak. But a lot of that follow-up will be cardiac screening, so things like images like an echocardiogram, which is an ultrasound of the heart, or maybe getting like a heart monitor or EKGs or just those physical exams from a cardiologist, and doing those that are regular intervals so that we're able to establish a baseline of that person's heart health and then screen them over time to look for changes in that. And again, that goal being that we can intervene medically with those therapies, as Dr. Tibrawala mentioned, that might help us preserve those heart functions or again, prevent those sudden cardiac deaths from happening to those other family members. So there are screening and management options available to those patients, even though they're not quite as commonly heard about as the cancer surgeries and things. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And Dr. Tibruwala, along those same lines, when we hear about cancer genetics, and we've talked about some of those prophylactic treatments for heart disease, we know that diet and lifestyle, behaviors, things that we do can affect whether or not we develop heart disease. Now, genetics is going to obviously play a role, and that's what we're talking about here today. But Tell us about the role of lifestyle and diet, and if somebody does test positive for this gene that you've been discussing, how do you work with them? Tell us about the multidisciplinary approach, what you want people to know about taking proaction for hopefully preventing this. So in addition to medical therapy and the surveillance that we've discussed, lifestyle is vital for management or prevention of cardiovascular disease. And that's true for patients that have genetic mutations or people that don't have known genetic mutations. The things that we specifically focus on in terms of lifestyle with our patients, number one is diet. Uh, Diet is important for several risk factors for cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular disease itself. The specific cardiovascular condition that a a patient may have may dictate what's most important in their diet, but the typical things that we emphasize in diet is reduction in fatty foods, reduction in cholesterol, potentially reduction in calories, and specifically for patients that have heart failure, many of which I see, uh, reduction in sodium and fluid intake. The second big component of lifestyle, which is tied into diet, is weight management. We encourage our patients to maintain their weight and to lose weight if possible because, again, that significantly impacts treatment of underlying risk factors, things like high blood pressure and high cholesterol, and can help prevent some of these complicated cardiac conditions from developing. And then thirdly is exercise. Exercise can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And for us, I think exercise is whatever a person enjoys doing that can keep them active. We recommend at least 30 minutes of aerobic exercise on most days of the week, and the more a person does, the better that it may be. And these are things that we work with. It's Like you said, it can be a multidisciplinary approach, and we've got several different folks that work inside of Northwestern that can help guide patients in addition to the physicians, and that only goes to emphasize how important these components are to management of these conditions. Rebecca, last word to you as a genetic counselor. When you hear people wonder about genetic testing. Some people, as you said, are fearful. Maybe they don't want to know the results. What would you like them to know about how exciting it is in this field now 
and how genetic testing, if they have a relative with heart disease, if they are very concerned about this, how that can help them to manage their lifestyle, as Dr. Tibruwala has stated, and really what you'd like them to know about what you do. Yeah, and so I think that a lot of patients have a fear of genetic counseling and genetic testing because they feel like it's something that they have to do when doctors bring it up. And there are sometimes a lot of questions and concerns around the concept of genetic testing, and I really feel that genetic counseling is a great way to get those answered. So I do usually encourage patients to try and understand or try to spread the word that accessing that information through genetic counseling does not mean that you are signing up to get a test that you might not necessarily want. I have patients who come in who think they don't want genetic testing, and after having genetic counseling and hearing what the testing can do for their family members in terms of trying to prevent more severe heart disease happening in them and trying to prevent them from going through the same things the patient is, a lot of them sometimes will change their mind. Or I've also had it go the other way, where patients come in thinking that they absolutely would want to know this information. And then for one reason or another, usually very personal decisions, they decide that it's not something that's right for them. And the purpose of genetic counseling is just fully informed decision making, making sure that that patient along with us is making the decision that makes the most sense for them and for their family members. And a lot of people do have issues accessing genetic counseling just because they don't know how to find a genetic counselor, but there are resources available. The National Society of Genetic Counselors has a website. It's nsgc.org. And there is a button right on their homepage that says find a genetic counselor. And you can search by distance and even by specialty if you are interested in cardiology specifically or cancer. You can find an expert at close access to you. And also with the pandemic, a lot of people have moved to telemed as well. So we're just trying to really increase that access for people to have access to get their questions answered. Because I think that conversation is really important in them deciding whether or not this information is right for them and their family members. Because Every patient and every family dynamic is going to be a little bit different. Thank you both for being with us today. What great information for listeners to hear so they can be their own best health advocate and make informed decisions for their health and to take a heart health risk assessment and to learn more about the Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute, please visit us at westheartcare.nm.org. That concludes this episode of Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. If you found this podcast informative, please share on your social channels, share with your friends and family so that we can learn from the experts at Northwestern Medicine together. I'm Melanie Cole.